for Thursday, May 28, 2020. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE, answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, many Georgia farmers were still recovering from the economic damage caused by Hurricane Michael when the coronavirus hit, causing any number of problems. With the pandemic, with the weather, with the climate, I think this all speaks to farmers exist in a world that a lot of us do, where there's a lot you can't control. Molly Samuel, who covers the environment for WABE, joins me for a look at how the state's agriculture industry has adapted to one more little bit of adversity, a global pandemic. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. Agriculture is Georgia's biggest industry, and like the rest of the state's economy, the coronavirus pandemic has brought its share of adversity to ag over the last few months, collapsing markets, issues with labor, the lingering effects of Hurricane Michael. Here to talk about what's been happening and how farmers are coping is Molly Samuel. She covers the environment for WABE. Hey, Molly, thanks for talking with me. Hi, Sam. So I mentioned Hurricane Michael, and I wanted to start our conversation actually back in the late spring, if we can remember that time before the pandemic back in late March. After months of waiting on help from the feds to recover from Hurricane Michael, farmers in South and Central Georgia actually got some good news. Yeah, so Hurricane Michael hit Georgia almost two years ago, and farmers still hadn't gotten federal disaster aid. Our colleague Emma Hurt has been reporting on this, and she says the holdup pretty much has come down to partisan disagreements over other things that this just all got tangled up with. But the enrollment window finally opened for Georgia farmers to apply for that aid, and Georgia Agriculture Commissioner Gary Black says, that more than $300 million should be heading to Georgia farmers in the next few weeks. This news about this federal funding actually came down about the time that there was some other news in the world, the coronavirus pandemic. When and how did farmers first start seeing the effects of COVID-19? So early on, farmers here were running into issues bringing guest workers into the country. And we were hearing about that in March. But that got resolved. And agricultural workers have been able to get in and get to work on farms. And I mean, a lot of the farms really rely on that labor. So that was an early big concern, but that did get largely fixed. I also have to think that 
just the general economic slowdown that's been happening. I'm thinking about restaurants closing, maybe even the, the general life slowdown, schools not being in session, that that's had some effect on farmers too. Right, it has. And so the first problem was, can workers get into the country to be able to harvest? The next problem was, once they harvest that stuff, is there someone on the other end to buy it? And that has been more of a lasting problem. According to the Georgia Department of Agriculture, 50% of Georgia crops go to food service. So with way lower demand from restaurants, from schools, from like corporate cafeterias, that's a hit for farms that typically supply those kinds of places. Take Liz Porter, who grows produce and grinds grits and cornmeal on her farm in Cherokee County. Buckeye Creek Farm near Hickory Flat area. Started off with some farmer's markets, but it has been primarily for restaurants. She usually supplies Atlanta chefs. Well, it's been really slow, um, knowing that the restaurants aren't going to be able to do what they normally do as far as orders. From the indications I've gotten from um, from chefs that I've worked with in the past, they're not really ready to open up to dine-in customers for a while. So there's not a whole lot of point in trying to grow anything that would normally would normally sell to the, to the restaurant trade. So Molly, as I understand it, Liz Porter, though, is, is a smaller farmer. She's on the smaller farmer end of the spectrum. What about some of the bigger farms here in the state? Um, yeah, the same thing would affect some big farms, too. And Ag Commissioner Gary Black says he could see this kind of problem looming for Georgia because it happened in Florida first. Like they're warmer, they harvest earlier, and then you sort of like see things wash up from there. So down in Florida, you heard about crops not getting harvested, just getting dug back into the ground and milk getting poured out. It's a supply chain problem. There's still demand for food, obviously, but farmers can't necessarily turn on a dime to package their food in a different way to sell to grocery stores, for instance, or at farmers markets if they're used to selling to wholesalers that supply restaurants. So like Liz Porter told me, it's just her and one employee on her farm. So she can't just pivot to doing CSAs on her own. You mentioned that farmers kind of resolved this issue with farm labor, but I'm wondering about like harvesting crops or maybe even the state's poultry industry, which I know is huge. Like what's happening in those settings? Yeah. And we've heard about the problems in the poultry industry, right? There's been an uptick in cases in Hall County where there are a lot of poultry plants. And there's concern about workers on farms, too, because even if those workers are outside, they might still be working close together, like going down the rows together. And for guest workers and migrant workers, they're often living in very close quarters, like bunkhouses, where it's really impossible to social distance from each other. And they're getting to and from the fields together in vans or old school buses. I talked to Eric Martinez Juarez, who's a third-year medical student at the Medical College of Georgia, and his parents both worked picking tomatoes in southwest Georgia, and his dad still works on farms down there driving tractors. And he said when he talks to his dad, his dad sort of has this attitude of, like, well, what can I do? I have to go to work. You know, many of these farm workers, to include my parents, um, they don't make enough money to get health insurance, or their employer doesn't provide them health insurance in addition to there's a shortage of healthcare services. Um, so you, you factor in these healthcare issues such as the lack of culturally and linguistically appropriate services, limited transportation, uh, inabil- inability to get pay, uh, sick pay leave. Um, And our colleague Emily Green talked to workers in poultry plants in Georgia who told her that they couldn't get sick pay and they were worried about working conditions, too. 
And the CDC does have guidance on how to help protect poultry processing workers. And Gary Black, who's the ag commissioner, he says he has been inside plants and seen that they've done things like rigging up barriers to separate people from each other. And the farmers I've talked to are really paying attention to this, too. They're like very aware of what's going on in Hall County with poultry plants. And for instance, I talked to a blueberry farmer who put a lot of thought into giving people more living space, taking staggered breaks, making sure people could wash their hands. But still, these are at-risk populations. And Chris Herbert at the Valdosta Daily Times has been following this a lot. And he recently reported that confirmed cases have nearly quintupled in the last week and a half in tiny little Eccles County, which is down near the Florida border, like kind of near the Okefenokee Swamp. Most of those have been asymptomatic cases, but a lot of that increase has been because of testing migrant farm workers. If those are some of the challenges that this uh, sector is facing here in the state, how are people adapting to them? I mean, every industry is finding ways to adapt in these in these pandemic times. So so what have you been hearing? I mean, on one hand, no one saw this coming, really, right? But on the other hand, farmers are always adapting to something. It's, you know, if it's not the weather, then it's changing consumer tastes or something else. And also, agriculture isn't a monolith. Like, it's easy to sit in my house, you know, here in Atlanta and be like, Georgia farmers are a thing facing a problem, and here's how they're coping. But what's the challenge for a small farmer in North Georgia may not even be on the radar for a big blueberry grower in South Georgia. And then, you know, a person a few counties over from that who grows sweet corn has got something else going on. So anyway, trying not to lump people in together. One example of a way to adapt is a program the State Department of Agriculture has launched. Georgia farmers are resilient, patient, and always ready to react. Spring freezes, hurricanes, drought. Every season, every year, something unpredictable happens. And 2020 has taken things to a whole new level. You can put in an order for a farm box online and then drive and pick it up from various locations around Atlanta, and it'll have produce from Georgia farms. So it's kind of like another way to do a CSA. Within 21 days of concept, the Georgia Grown to Go pop-up market was born, the farmers delivered, and here in Cobb County, the local community followed suit with an estimated 7,000 customers lining up to get their fresh stash of Georgia Grown. There are also groups fundraising to support Georgia farmers. And Nedra Roan at the AJC did a really nice story recently about how some smaller farmers around Atlanta have pivoted from supplying restaurants to home delivery. Farmers are also finding new ways to adapt. Specifically, I understand you talked to one kind of adapting to the needs of a more germ phobic uh, society. Yeah, um, I think this one really speaks to the farmers aren't a monolith thing. Dr. Trip Morgan is a farmer near Albany. He's also a vascular surgeon and he owns a brewery and he switched the brewery over to manufacturing yeah, hand sanitizer. Yeah. And yeah. he says he yeah, may actually stick with that. Way. Like before, um, there's probably a low level. I mean, well, so there were medical facilities and there were hospitals that needed it. Now, everybody wants hand sanitizer around. It doesn't matter if you're a restaurant or you're the front end of a I mean, uh, Lowe's or your wherever, like people have it available. So the amount that's going to be used in the U.S. will probably be a lot higher going forward. And after I talked to him, I was like, wow, this guy does a lot of different things. And then a few days later, I was looking at a Decatur restaurant's online menu and they carried his hand sanitizer. And I was like, hey, I know where that comes from. So if you see Pretoria Fields hand sanitizer around, that's his. And Molly, I, I understand that you spoke with with some farmers who 
are doing okay through all this? Yeah, for now. Um, so here's the sound of sweet corn getting harvested last week at Casey Cox's farm in southwest Georgia. And basically how this works is there's people handpicking the corn and they toss it up to other people who are on a trailer who sort it and pack it. And this whole operation is getting pushed by a truck driving very slowly backwards down the row. If they're harvesting, that makes me think there's a there's a market for this corn. Yes, and her family mainly sells to grocery stores around the country. So she said she hasn't really been as affected by food service demand drying up. Our market can fluctuate day to day, um, even in the most normal of times. Uh, so we certainly anticipate fluctuation throughout the season, uh, potentially even more so than usual because of the coronavirus. We started talking, Molly, about Hurricane Michael. Just as this pandemic hit, farmers, you know, we're able to sign up for this federal relief aid. They're still waiting for it. But what about hurricane season, which which starts soon, as I understand it? Yeah. And Casey Cox, I mean, she's one of the farmers and she reminded me the last time we talked, you know, that they're, they are still struggling to recover from Hurricane Michael. So, I mean, Michael really, even though it was in 2018, we're not past it. For this hurricane season, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration forecasts it will be above average, meaning more named storms than average. And actually, there have already been two named storms this year, and the season doesn't even officially start until this coming Monday. So looking beyond the summer, research has suggested that climate change makes hurricanes stronger. So, I mean, again, with the pandemic, with the weather, with the climate, I think this all speaks to farmers exist in a world that a lot of us do, where there's a lot you can't control. Molly Samuel covers the environment for WABE. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. You can reach us with questions, comments, or controversy at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also leave us a rating and a review. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. The world is full of mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary. But when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org slash donate and thanks.